Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hi, Oddings. This is the Something Scary Podcast. I'm your Ate Sapphire. I receive a lot of mysterious stories from listeners in Mexico, and so I've decided to dedicate another episode to this marvelous country. First, we'll hear a true story about a young boy who finds himself in a sticky situation. Then, we'll meet an unusual woman by a river. After that, we'll encounter a begging woman. And finally, befriend a kind neighbor in an apartment complex. I receive hundreds of amazing story submissions every single week. As always, the first story you hear is one that I've chosen to animate and post over at youtube.com snarled. Then I read a few more stories for the podcast. If you have a tale you're dying to share, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. And if you'd like to support the show and receive bonus content, consider joining our Patreon. Our patrons play a huge role in keeping the show running every single week. For more information on how you can help the show and also be a part of it, visit patreon.com slash snarled. So, wanna hear something scary? Under the Bed The following is a true story that was shared by Sochi Garcia, who was the fiance of our animator, Johnny Ashley. This is her father Henry's encounter with the paranormal. My name is Henry Paul Garcia. When I was about five years old in 1945, something happened to me that to this day, neither I nor the rest of my family can explain. So every summer, my family would stay with my abuela in Guadalajara, Mexico. She lived in a cramped apartment house known as a vecindad. It was just one narrow hallway with eight single room units leading up to one wash area shared by all of the tenants. My abuela's unit in particular was very tight. There were many of us that had to squeeze into the small quarters, but we made it work. Packed into one room, it was myself, my sisters, Teresa, Christina, Irma, and Mercy, my mother, Consuelo, my tia, Huera, my tio, Roberto, my abuela, and my aunt's dog, Chonga. Chonga had always been protective of me. When I was a toddler, she'd grab me by the diapers if I tried to walk onto a busy street. So this one summer, my sister, Teresa, and I were playing on one side of the room while the rest of our family was chatting on the other side. I was sitting on my abuela's bed, my short legs swinging in the gap between the bed and the wall, as me and my sister were laughing and joking around. 
Suddenly, I felt someone grab my right leg and pull it down to the floor. Thinking it was one of my sisters under the bed, I shouted, hey, let go. But the hand only gripped tighter. And I know that I was very young and small at the time, but I remember that hand feeling very, very large. It had a hold on almost my entire calf and ankle. I tried to kick my leg free, but it wouldn't budge. I was getting annoyed with whoever was messing around with me, so I leaned over the side of the bed to ask them to let go once more. But as I leaned over, I fell quiet because there was no hand on my leg. I couldn't see anything, but I could absolutely feel it. And it was still not letting go. I started screaming and crying, frantically trying to break my leg free. Teresa didn't know what to do and started screaming with me. That's when everyone else came over to see what was wrong, including Changa. She ran under the bed, barking and yelping at whatever was holding my ankle. Moments later, she skidded out from underneath the bed like she was shoved, but hard. She ran back under and again, she was thrown across the tiles. This happened over and over several times. Next, my Tio Roberto came and tried to wrench me loose, but even with his strength, he couldn't pull my leg out from the gap. The large, invisible fingers squeezed even tighter. And then my abuela had a thought. See, there were rumors that when the Spanish conquered Mexico, they didn't trust the banks to carry their gold, so they hired natives to bury the treasure in secret locations. But after the hole was buried and the treasure was secured, they'd kill the natives, so they could never disclose the location to anyone. The Spanish then believed that their spirits would stop anyone from coming near the gold. It was also said that these spirits do not like excessive cursing. So that's just what my abuela did. And boy, could she curse. Cabron, maldito. I felt the phantom fingers loosen their grip. It worked. When I could move my leg again, I jumped off the bed and ran towards the other side of the room with the rest of my family. We all began praying together. Years later, we reflected on this traumatic incident with my abuela. She told me that she remembered a while ago, the two women who owned the apartment building had disappeared without a trace. They did, however, leave behind a large dug up hole in the yard. That got people talking. Now, no one knows if the women actually found treasure or not, my abuela said, but I wouldn't be surprised. So maybe there is more buried treasure around here somewhere, but I don't think we should go looking for it. I'm 78 years old now. To this day, my siblings and I don't hang our feet over the side of beds. And I'm not a superstitious man, so I know that may sound a little silly, but that's how much that night affected us. Maybe it was a ghost, maybe it wasn't. Like I say, nobody can ever say what really happened, what, what it really was. How can we know? Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. 
Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. And now, more Something Scary. Our next story was sent in by Lily. Her dad told her about something horrific that happened to two of his friends. My dad lived in a small town in Mexico, and there was one main street going in and out of town. One day after work, his two friends, Jose and Mario, decided to go to a new bar on the main street and have a few drinks. They stayed a while, joking and laughing with the other patrons, and after some time, they decided it was late and they should head home, as there was hardly anyone on the street. Mario proposed they take a shortcut along the river, just a few yards behind the bar. As they walked and talked, Jose caught a glimpse of someone by the water. It was a small town. He knew everyone, and this young woman didn't look familiar. Her back was turned to them, but even then, he knew he'd never seen her before. Her hair was long and black, and she was wearing old, traditional Mexican clothing, which was pretty odd for a young woman in that town. She was kneeling down as though she was washing something in the river. Jose thought it was really peculiar considering how late it was and immediately felt unsettled. But Mario hadn't noticed the young woman right away. It wasn't until Mario realized that Jose had stopped walking. He followed Jose's gaze to the river and finally noticed the woman. Unlike Jose, Mario didn't feel scared. In fact, Mario felt an immediate attraction towards this woman Jose nervously told Mario that they should go back to the main street, but Mario refused, reminding him that they were already halfway home and turning back would be a stupid idea. Mario turned to Jose and said, Hey, it's late. She's here alone, and she's obviously looking for a good time, so let's show her a good time if you know what I mean. You're an idiot. Let's just go home, Jose said as he continued walking away. Mario took his shoes off and began to walk towards the woman. He called out to her a few times, but the woman didn't move. Mario kept walking. Hey, I'm talking to you. And all of a sudden, the woman stood up. Mario stopped. He started to feel uneasy, but in his tipsy stupor, continued to yell out, Hey, babe, it's me, the man of your dreams. The woman quickly turned around. When Mario laid eyes on her, his jaw dropped. She was the most beautiful woman he'd ever seen. The woman began to walk towards him and in the softest voice said, And you're who I've been waiting for. Mario wasn't moving. It was as if she paralyzed him with her gaze. He wanted to see what the woman looked like up close. But the closer she got, the colder Mario felt. She was incredibly stunning, but Mario found himself feeling very afraid. He wanted to walk away, but couldn't. Suddenly, Mario felt someone grab his arm. It was Jose. He told him to snap out of it, and they both started walking away from the woman. They walked in silence. 
After a few minutes, Mario, who was still a bit shaken by the experience, felt as if someone was following them. He turned around. The woman was behind them. They ran as fast as they could until they were just a few feet away from the street they lived on. They both looked back and saw that the woman was still behind them, closing in on them. Mario ran towards his house, but Jose told him they should lead her away. They ran into an empty house around the corner and slammed the door shut. They waited there for what seemed like eternity. Jose gathered the courage to look out a little window on the door. He looked around and didn't see anyone outside. I think it's safe, Jose said. I think we lost her. We should go home now. Mario begged Jose to wait just a bit longer. It was almost sunrise, and they would be able to get a better look at the woman if she was still following them. Jose agreed. They waited and waited for what seemed like forever. Mario grew impatient, so he decided to look outside through the same window on the door. As Mario pressed his body toward the door to look out, the woman slammed herself against the window, looked right at Mario, and said, Hey babe, it's me, the woman of your dreams. But using Mario's own voice. This time, there were two black holes where her eyes used to be. Mario yelled and fell, hitting the back of his head and knocking himself unconscious. Jose was horrified when he saw blood coming out of Mario's head and ran out the front door. He ran to a neighbor's house and told him what happened, but the neighbor didn't believe him. So he went around knocking on doors, asking for help, until one man decided he'd go with him to check it out. By this time, there was a hint of sunlight. They went inside, but there was nobody. No sign of Mario. The neighbor looked annoyed at Jose, but Jose reassured him that this was the right place. The neighbor told Jose to go home and get some rest. But how could Jose rest knowing his friend might have been taken? Who was that woman? To this day, Mario remains missing, although Jose claims that people have seen Mario by that same river, kneeling down late at night looking for company. I don't know what it is about rivers in Mexico, but it seems like that's a common location for hauntings. Uh, that's also where La Llorona is reportedly seen a lot. Um, and I'm sure that there's a lot of others that are escaping me right now. I'm curious to know if this is a popular ghost that a lot of people have seen by that river, if this is like a common phenomenon or if this is just a very specific incident. If anyone has any further information about this, feel free to email me. This next tale comes from T about an urban legend. I live in a city near the border in Mexico. I know this kind of legend usually occurs in small towns or villages, but never big cities like this. I've never been the kind to believe in these sorts of things. I mean, I've always been a fan of horror stories and everything surrounding the occult, but they always seemed more like a way to entertain myself rather than a truth. Sadly, I was wrong. The first time the thing came to me, I remember it as a blur. I was coming home after grocery shopping with my mom. She went inside while I was grabbing the groceries from the car. I remember the breeze began to pick up. We were deep into a cruel December, so I just ignored it and adjusted my scarf. A voice I didn't recognize whispered to me. When I turned around, I saw a woman, dressed in a long nun outfit that reached the floor, 
A thick veil covered her face entirely. She was walking in my direction, but I couldn't really see movement underneath her dress. She almost looked like she was drifting towards me. Excuse me, she said with a tender voice. I was wondering, do you by any chance have 50 cents? I was relieved. She just needed some change. I reached into my pocket and pulled out a coin. Guess we're both lucky today, I said, giving it to her. But ma'am, don't you want a little bit more? I mean, 50 cents isn't that much. No, just 50 cents. She turned around and floated away from me. I thought it was strange, but I paid it no mind. The second time was pretty much the same. I was getting the groceries out the car, and the woman appeared again and asked me for 50 cents. Just like the time before, I reached into my pocket, found the right coin, and gave it to her. She turned around and walked away from me. I thought she'd remember me from before, but when I tried to wave at her, she had no reaction at all. She just kept this blank stare, like I wasn't important enough. So much for my charity, I suppose. The third time, however, was different. This time, I was outside a coffee shop with my best friend, Rob, talking about some book we read recently when he told me he was going inside to get a piece of cake. I told him to take his time and started reading while waiting for him. Like all the times before, the atmosphere got a little colder. I looked around, this time a little bit scared. I don't know why, but something told me things were not going to go well. Excuse me. It was that voice. The voice of the woman. But it was impossible. The coffee shop we were at was miles away from my house. Did she follow me all the way out here? Uh, yes. Do you have 50 cents? I reached into my pocket and it was completely empty. I'm sorry, I don't have any money. I felt like time had frozen. Everyone around me seemed to stop moving except for the old woman. The woman came closer and closer and closer. Suddenly, a strong wind blew under her veil, revealing the rotten face of a corpse. She let out the most haunting scream and reached for my neck. I screamed for help and fell off my chair, shutting my eyes as the wind around me grew stronger and colder. When I opened my eyes, I was inside Rob's car, and he was beside me. You're awake, he said. What happened? You were on the floor screaming, so I decided to take you home. The old woman. Didn't you see the old woman? Rob's face grew cold. I reached into my pocket and it was still empty. He shook his head. So you found the beggar? The beggar? I asked. It's an old urban legend, he continued. There was this woman who was terrible with her kids. She mistreated them to the point where the kids ran away when the oldest was 14 and the youngest was 8. They grew up and became men of honor, while the old, mean woman stayed here, rotting in her evilness. When she started to feel like her last days were coming, she went to a church in search of salvation. The priest asked her if she had any regrets, and she told him about her sons and how much she wished to apologize and say goodbye to them. The man, moved by the sudden change of heart, told her that God would forgive her if she saved money and traveled to see her children. But 
the condition was that she should beg for the money and she could only receive one coin of 50 cents per person a day. She accepted and began collecting. But when she was about to reach the price of the trip, she died of a terrible cold. Now her soul walks around the city dressed in mourning gowns, asking for 50 cent coins. If you gave her more or denied the alms, the wind will blow her veil and reveal the rotten face of her sins. Then she'll decide if you stay the same or if you'd share the same face as her. I never saw the woman again, but as far as I could tell, she forgave me that day, or else I wouldn't be alive. Beware of the beggar, because you may not be as lucky as me. Thank you for that story, T. I am actually not familiar with that urban legend, but if anybody listening has also had a run-in with the beggar, please let me know. And now we've reached our final chapter. This comes to us from Lena. It may not be as frightening of a tale, but it's definitely still very unexplainable. This happened when I was just five years old. My mother, sister, and I had just moved back to the U.S. from Mexico. We moved to Texas. My uncle got us an apartment under government housing. We had absolutely nothing, just our suitcases and our clothes. We would walk everywhere when we needed things like groceries, mainly groceries. We only bought the most essential things for us. In our case, food. One day, as we were walking back home, a lady was having a yard sale outside our building. My sister and I stopped to play with the dolls. The lady asked my mom when she had moved in, since she'd never seen my mom in the apartments before. My mom told her that we'd just moved here. We arrived a few days ago from Mexico. The lady asked if we wanted anything. My sister and I knew we couldn't afford anything, so we just said no. But my sister kept an eye on the dolls. The lady noticed. Are y'all busy? I'd love to have you come up for some snacks and tea. What about your sale? My mom asked. Oh, my kids can watch over everything. Follow me. She introduced herself as Lonnie, and we followed her up to her apartment. Everything was so nice and clean. The living room was pink, and the kitchen was white and silver. Such an elegant apartment. Lonnie asked my mom so many questions. If she had found a job, if I was registered in school... She also asked why we left Mexico. My sister and I were actually born in America, and we went back to Mexico to stay with my mom's family for a little bit because of some personal family issues. And now we were trying to rebuild our life again in America. Lonnie then asked if she could come over to see our apartment. My mom was a little hesitant, but didn't want to appear rude since this woman had been nothing but nice. When Lonnie entered, she was surprised by how empty our apartment was. The only thing there was our suitcases. Lonnie excused herself and told us to wait there until she got back. About 15 minutes or so later, Lonnie and her two teen kids appeared at our door, carrying boxes and furniture from their yard sale. We don't really need the money, Lonnie explained, and I'd be more than happy for you to have anything you need. Oh, no, 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 that's, that's too much, my mom protested. But Lonnie wouldn't take no for an answer. And so over the next few hours, we picked out any items that we felt we needed and brought it up to our apartment. My sister made sure to grab the Barbie toy house and all of the dolls. 
That was the start of our friendship with Lonnie. She took us to the park, to the movies, even to McDonald's. This was my first time eating at a fast food place. My mom never let us eat there because she said it was bad for us. But I remember it being very special. One day, my mom asked her, How could I ever repay you? She just replied with, Pass it on. Lonnie had helped pay for my mom's adult classes and also connected her to a few places that were hiring. A few months later, my mom had gotten a stable job and was earning enough money. We no longer needed government housing and we were planning on moving out soon. My mom went to visit Lonnie's apartment to thank her for all of her help and kindness and to let her know that we'd be moving out. She knocked on the door a couple of times, but nobody answered. My mom tried the doorknob and the door swung open. My mom double-checked the unit number. It was definitely Lonnie's apartment, but it was completely empty. Filthy. Cobwebs everywhere, layers of dust. Did Lonnie move out without telling her? My mom went to the leasing office. Did the woman in 23 move out recently? Who, Lonnie? The manager asked. Lonnie moved out a long time ago. No one's lived there for more than 10 years. No, I'm talking about the woman who lives in Unit 23. Pink living room, white and silver kitchen. I know who you're talking about, the manager insisted. And that unit hasn't been lived in since. I am now 22 years old. My family and I had always kept this story to ourselves. One time we tried telling my grandmother and my uncles, but they all thought we were making it up or that we were mistaken. But we all remembered Lonnie and her kids. How could we all have misinterpreted our time living there? I hope you enjoyed this story. If not, it was still nice to get this off my chest. I think Lonnie and her kids were actual angels, sent to help us when we needed it the most. Miracles do happen, and blessings are real. Under the Bed was submitted by Sochi Garcia and edited by Johnny Ashley. All other stories edited by Adam Sinker and Sapphire Sindalo. Music and editing for this podcast by Sapphire Sindalo. If you have a story you'd like to submit, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. Don't forget to watch the video version of Something Scary over at youtube.com snarled. And if you'd like to support the show and receive bonus content, join our Patreon at patreon.com snarled. Until next time, sweet dreams. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.